Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, Carrie Wolf. Carrie is an executive vice president and co-head of development and programming a Kinetic Content, a successful TV production company based here in L.A. Carrie talks about her path from a young girl in small town, Indiana, to the big city of lights where she became a young agent. Those were the days where Entourage was on and life was imitating art, art was imitating life, for real. We dive in on her hit show, Married at First Sight, how it came to be, how it got sold and cast, and of course, the controversy that swirled around it early on. Also, how Little Women, the show that Kinetic does for Lifetime, went from a crazy internal pitch to a crazy pitch in the room to a hit show with several spinoffs. Okay, I am here with Carrie Wolf from Kinetic. Hello, Hello. Carrie. So we always start by saying how I know my guest. We've only just met, but we met through, we should know each other already. I mean, <laughs> I feel like cosmically we know each other. We know each other, but we were formally introduced by the amazing Stephanie Turner. Yes. So Stephanie and I met, she is an incredible director, writer, actor. She made an amazing film that will hopefully be out very soon called Justine. She's um, a narrative feature director, writer, actress, producer. Anyway, how do you know and her? And fun fact... She actually played the Britney Spears lookalike in Monster in Law. Remember when? Oh my God. Remember when Jane Fonda interviews that young Britney Spears performer and then goes ape shit on her and like attacks her? That <laughs> no. was Stephanie. That was I like, need to rewatch. Yeah, it's so good. She is really talented. So I met her at Napa Valley because we were both our films were selected there, and we had this amazing artist in residence program, and we just hit it off immediately. And she said. Almost as soon as I told her what I did, she's like, you have to have my friend Carrie Wolf on. Yes. But I don't actually know how you guys know each other. She may have told me and I forgot. I actually met her under similar sophisticated auspices <laughs> at book club. Uh, I started a book club, gosh, like 2003. And she was a friend of a friend. Um, now, do you read books instead book club? I actually, well, <laughs> nowadays no we basically drink wine and talk about like waxing and... Um, <laughs> you know, our husbands talk shit. But, but back then we actually, it was really cute. We would read, we would read the books and we would print out questions that we found online and, and, and ask the questions and, and, uh, to the group and answer them. But wait, there would be recommended questions. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> it's it, very it would, cute. Yeah. It'd be like, um, this is, you know, Oprah's newest book uh, that, that she recommended for her book club. It's got to be good enough for us. Let's go online. And we were very serious about it back then. It has devolved. And now, again, it's just all of us talking about childbirth, uh, you know, uh, you know, just really gross things. And um, <laughs> our business, a lot of people in my book club are in, in this business. And um, yeah, just... Nothing about the book. <laughs> Nobody even reads it anymore. I was say, is there even a book or have you? Yeah, okay. actually, there's a book right now. There's but a book. What's the book? I don't know if half the girls even know what it is. Um, it's called Where the Crawdads Sing. Okay. Are you going to read it? Uh, I just started. Okay. Yeah. There's I that. actually, I do read. I don't, I read at night. Um, this is scintillating. But anyway, so <laughs> Stephanie and I met in like 2003. She was just a young thing. She was an actress. She was, you know. Um, 
doing the doing, doing LA thing. acting thing. Mm-hmm. And look at her now. Look at her now. She is fabulous. I love her. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad that we finally met. You have, of course, a huge track record of success with Kinetic. So mo- let's go back a little bit toward the beginning because you started as an agent. But then I want to dig into your time here because you've done some really amazing things. So you you went. You're from Indiana. Yep. From Indiana, <laughs> born and raised. And you don't have an accent at all. It comes out occasionally. My husband is from Indiana, and when I'm around him, I've been told it comes out. Um, Did you guys meet in Indiana? We actually met at IU, Indiana oh, University. Wow, so you've been together since college. No. Oh. He was my college boyfriend's frat brother. He was in his pledge class. Scandalous. And my college boyfriend was a big dork. He's never going to listen to this. He like <laughs> lives in New York and works for a finance company. Um, he would study all the time, and I would not and I would go to his frat and I'd be like hey guys what are you doing and my husband would be like listening to Wu-Tang Clan and partying in his room and I'd be like these guys are fun so he was just an acquaintance I, I would hang out with them occasionally and so then did he have a crush on you or did you no, have a crush on so not at all we were not even on the radar no, no. wow and then in 2008 when Facebook was like, when every, all of my friends were getting on Facebook, he found me randomly. I had just become friends with somebody and, and he saw that I had just become friends with them and he like, you know, requested my friendship. So, you know, as much as we bash Facebook, they have brought a remarkable amount oh, yeah. of people together, remarkable yeah. amount of people together. They're called Facebook fairy tales. Somebody actually pitched me a show. I almost pitched a show called Fucked by Facebook because I <laughs> met a guy actually in our business who I said, I'm like, oh, how's, it, how's your wife? How's your family? He's like, well, my wife uh, hooked up with an old college, high school boyfriend on Facebook and uh, they had an affair and now we're divorced. <gasps> and I'm like, you were fucked by Facebook. And I was Why like, wow, pitch this because you can't what I was told at the time, this was ages ago, was like, you can't actually use Facebook. Right. You, okay. And if you can't use Facebook, you can't, honestly, right. like Fuck by social media is the most boring title Super ever. Super boring. All right. So Never anyone mind. who wants to take it out there, go for it. If you can clear it legally, you have my blessing. <laughs> okay. Um, so, okay. So then, so you guys met later, but okay. So did you move from Indiana right to LA with the big dreams? I was like, yeah, I exactly that. My senior year, I always knew I wanted to work in entertainment, like, and what that means, if right. you're a girl from like a small town in Indiana, is you'd read, you know, the People magazines at the hair salon when your mom was getting her hair done. And you were getting like your perm when you were a teen. <laughs> um, and I just was like enraptured by the world of celebrities and just pop culture in general. My senior year at IU, I had a I had a friend who was going on and he was going on to work at William Morris. I studied telecommunications and he was in a bunch of my classes and um he was like, you got to interview at the agencies because I had a business minor and he was like, it's it's a perfect place. So he actually got me an interview at William Morris. This was 2001. And I, you know, he told me the other at the time, like four top agencies to interview. And I remember sending out my resume to all of them and hounding them and calling the HR number from my bedroom in Indiana, Bloomington, <laughs> Indiana. And finally, somebody called me from... UTA, this woman, Barb Hansen. And, and she was like, you know, we got your resume. I've, I've heard your 18 voicemails. Can you be in LA this week? We'll interview you. And I was like, of course I can. I've never been to LA. Were you in college still? I was in college. I was a senior. So what was the game plan? Just to find a ticket and fly? To find a ticket, (laughs) fly out to LA. So I was like, yeah, I can be there. I remember her saying, can you be here on Thursday? Which was like in, you know, three days. And I was like, 
course. No problem. No problem. Of course I can. So <laughs> booked a hotel room downtown because that's where I thought, you know, it was in the middle of everything. Uh, like, oh. Got a rental car, flew out. Uh, they had a Suburban waiting for me because that's really? all that was left. So I was downtown and I, yeah, I interviewed. Gosh, I had Did like you interview with Barb? First with Barb. Then I had a second interview with Howie Sanders. Um, and then I had a third interview with Jeremy Zimmer. Okay. And he's the head of the whole thing now, right? Yeah. Well, his well, what his was interviews he back then? were legendary. Was he still the head of the whole thing? He was. I was technically his last interview. What? He was... He was, everybody told me, be ready to come in and talk about, you know, your favorite cinematographer, your favorite, <laughs> favorite director. So the night before I'm racking my brain, like, um, and, and I remember going in very confidently into his office and that all evaporated because he ignored me for the first 10 minutes. He was on a phone, he had the TV on, he, he had agents walking in and out and he literally ignored me. Um, and then he finally turned to me and I'm sitting there. And uh, he says, he looks at my resume. He says, oh, you go to IU. What do you think of Bobby Knight? <laughs> and I was like, oh, if he's going to talk about IU basketball, yeah, we're, we're, we're I'm good. done. I'm fine. <laughs> so I just riffed about that. Uh, and and uh, at the end, you know, I remember Peter Benedict, who also is, you know, a board member at UTA, had walked into the interview just to sit behind me on a couch just to listen in on the interview. And I remember at the end, um, it was actually really ballsy. I said to Jeremy, I actually have to go. I have another interview. Oh, I don't know why I did this, but he goes, what, where? And I said at William Morris. Was it true? Yeah. I had like my second interview and, um, Oh girl, you had him at hello. And (laughs) Peter Benedict like piped up from the back and goes, you don't want to work there. And I'm like, Oh, you were pl- already playing the Hollywood game, but I you had no idea you were doing it. I kind of was. And they just hired you on the spot? Hired me on the spot. For so the mailroom? For the mailroom. Why'd you have to interview with these guys for the mailroom? Oh, Is that how I it's done know. still? I think so at UTA. Actually, I'm not totally sure how it's done at UTA. Um, wow. I know that Barb no longer works there, but I don't know who's doing it now. So but was yeah. the mailroom terrible? Not for me, no. You just use it as an opportunity. Just an opportunity. Sat on different desks. I okay. made lifelong friends there. Um, I had a guy, Chris Hansen, Barb's son, who was running the mailroom. Who was Isn't like, there a Brett Hansen? Brett Hansen, yeah. Is he related to all of them? No, okay. Brett's not related. But good question. Fair question. You never know. Yeah. Um, but like Chris was totally laid back. He like lived on a boat at the time. <laughs> He was very, he was really nice and sweet. And so they'd be like, Carrie, you're going up to so-and-so's desk today. And I'd go up there and I got to see what it was like. I mean, basically it was, you know, being scared to death, not feeling like you can smile (laughs) or have a personality or talk and agents yelling at at their assistants all around you. That's literally what it, by the way, I have on good authority. That's exactly what it's still like, which is kind of amazing to me in 2020 that it's just the way it's always been like the Hollywood cliche and swimming with sharks. It's, it's very true. It's it's, crazy. It's it's still like that. I mean, you walk into the agencies, are the assistants saying anything? (laughs) They're quiet as a mouse. But why, why does it have to be like that? 
it's I think it's out of respect for their for their bosses who are always like stressed and they've got so much. The assistants are always rolling calls. They're always, you know, they've got a million things on their plate. But like it's not like that in, you know, surgery at Cedars Sinai with their stuff. The, the surgeons aren't all screaming and going crazy and they're saving lives. These people are making deals. And yet it's just they are allowed the to culture. be complete assholes. It's the culture. And when you leave that culture, <laughs> right, you realize it's you realize that's not normal. Right. It's not normal. Like, why is my boss not yelling at me? But they're under so much pressure. I mean, it's a thankless job. You know, are the women like that? The women, female agents like oh, that, too? Yeah. Just as bad. Absolutely. Wow. Of course craziness so how long were you there for i was there for five years so wow i was there and you I was, became an agent right i became an agent really fast because when i started in 2001 it was when survivor you know had had just premiered um who wants to be a millionaire it was blowing up and i was an assistant to chris colin and <laughs> i who by the way was like you know, very cool and very relaxed and super nice and just like the anti-agent. Right. I got lucky as his assistant. But yet um, still successful. So there's a lesson to be learned there. He created the alternative department. And right. So what were the kind of shows that you were selling back then? Oh, gosh. Well, back then he repped Andrew Glassman, who did like Average Joe, which was a great show. Yes. Um, he represented Michael Davies. Wow. He represented R.J. Cutler. Oh, wow. Who had just done The War Room, that documentary. And he he then started representing all of the British companies. Mm-hmm. You know, Ben Silverman had had a foothold on that. But then a lot of companies like RDF and, um, you know, Shed started coming over to, to UTA. And Chris, you know, really, to his credit, signed them all up and... Um, started selling a lot of their formats over here. So, yeah. So you were working, basically learning from the master with him. So learning from the master. And then, a year and a half into being an assistant, he you know, came to me. He needed more bodies in the department. So he asked me, um, he said he was going to promote me. So, so I was when, promoted and, and I was an agent for a few years. And I, well, three and a half years. And then went with him to RDF. Okay, so pause there for a minute. So when you were an agent, did you think that's it? Like, I'm an agent. I'm going to be an agent and I'm going to keep rising up. And yes. I mean, you never thought I'm going to end up as a producer, end up on this side of the thing. When the you're business. an agent, you're like sucked into that whole right. vortex. Right. And A, you have access to everybody in the business who you want to have access to. Right. Um, you know, you have a feeling of I'm at the best agency, you know, we're the best, we're the best at everything. Why would I ever want to leave this place? Um, you have, I mean, at the time I was making nothing, but you knew you saw the agents who are driving like amazing cars and wearing amazing clothes and had <laughs> stylist. And, you know, you're invited to all the parties you're invited. You got to have an expense account. I, I would not have left for, well, and also you don't think you can do anything else. <laughs> right. That's a big thing. A lot of agents, in my opinion, are scared to take the leap because they don't feel they, A, can be creative, right? They don't feel like, they don't, I didn't know it was a muscle that, that anybody can really, you know, um, work on. So I would have been too scared to leave. 
What was the most valuable thing, if you had to name one thing that you took from being an agent that you still use now till this day in terms of something that you could have never known had you not been an agent? I think for me, it was, well, a couple things. It's the obvious, learning to how to negotiate, learning what to look for in deals. I mean, that's just carried over when we're on the other side and networks are are, you know, slipping things into their deals. Um, that's a, that's a boring answer. I would say, um, <laughs> but it is a really good one that a lot of people don't I have. I just met everybody. I, I got to know, I got to know everybody. I got to know, you know, I remember when Brandon Reg and I were assistants together and we'd go to drinks and dinner, you know, frequently and became, you know, really good buddies. And, and, um, and and now I look at him and he's just so successful and I'm really proud of him. He just bought your show. He bought one of our shows. <laughs> so it's, you know, it, yeah, I think it's so it's Brandon. Those, so it, we, you're just in, you're yeah. like the nucleus, you know, you have to be talking to all the buyers, all the producers, producers who you want to sign and you don't, you don't represent <laughs> all the production companies who are staffing. you got to talk to. Um, so the contacts I formed were invaluable. Yeah. You know, that, that seems like something you can't buy. That just has to happen from, yeah. the, from being on that set. That and if side. anything, I just have really good stories of working in yeah. an agency. I'm sure. So yeah, that, that you can dine out on those forever. Right. Yeah. So what was the craziest thing that like, what's the one story that's like your top, you I mean, without naming names, unless you want to name names, which would be great. I mean, back then, Entourage was really big. Yeah, right? when you said so, the story like, about Jeremy not talking to you for 10 minutes, that, that sounds like Ari. It was, I mean, the storylines were written based on real life. So yeah. we had, you know, one agent who worked with us who, you know, I don't know if you remember the episode where the young agent boxes somebody. Who is it? He boxes. Scott, was it Scott Kahn? See the young agent? Oh, gosh, I don't remember. There's a storyline. Okay. Well, there, okay. So there, so in real life, quote unquote, <laughs> there was a young agent who wanted to sign Mark Wahlberg. Mm -hmm. And then Mark Wahlberg said he would only sign with his agent if like they got in the ring or okay. something. And yeah. the agent got pummeled. He's like this young skinny guy. And he actually worked with us at ETA. Right. Like stuff like that. It's that would just, actually happen. Things were happening, unfolding in real life that you, you would then watch. You'd watch on Entourage. It was so fun. All right, so back to the journey. I hate the word journey. I have to think of a better word. Back to your path. Back to your path. Okay, so you guys, you and Chris, um, who is your boss, gets tapped to run RDF. He takes you with him. And so you're making this major transition to production or, you know, slash development. Um, what was it like at the beginning? Did you feel like, oh, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. How am I going to learn this? Or did it feel like... Oh, it was I'm like a total startup. Yeah, I was, you know, had been a young agent who was representing, you know, producers and he was now the CEO of a major international company. And so it was really exciting. Like A, we had to find an office. B, we had to figure out like how to set up the phone lines and <laughs> just the two you know, of you? Just the two of us. Um yeah, we had to, you know, make some hires, figure out how to sell shows. It was <laughs> really fun but really scary and yeah I, I if you'd said you know you need to write a treatment tomorrow I'd be like 
well, I don't know how to do that. Right. But you um, had these producers that you yeah. were representing. You had sort of, like you said, your Rolodex. Yeah. That probably came very much in handy. Totally. Yeah. So it was really exciting. And we had already, the good thing about going to work for an existing company like RDF is they had Wife Swap. They had all these shows. They Did were they like, do Super Nanny too? No, they didn't. That's Shed. Shed. I always mm-hmm. confuse those two. Yeah. Okay. So Wife Swap had already existed. Yeah. So he already had, you know, he already had some some IP that was successful in the States. So, so we, RDF had a good reputation and they were like the top, one of the top companies in the UK already. So we had that going for us. It wasn't like a brand new company. What did RDF become? Did it become, turn into something else or did it just go away? It did. No, RDF, it, it turned into something else. So Zodiac? RDF became Zodiac. <laughs> right. And then Zodiac was bought by Banerjee. That was what it so was. So now okay. it's Banerjee. Got it, got it, got it. So how long were you guys together at, I was about to say Zodiac, at RDF? So we were together for three and a half years. And then he actually created Kinetic. He said, I want to just have my own gig. I don't want to mm-hmm. be part of this international thing. Yes. He wanted his own gig. He wanted to be more autonomous. And he started kinetic in march 2010 and i was under contract so i was oh wow so you didn't go with him i didn't go with him i was at rdf for gosh like seven more months no okay something like that but he basically said once your contract's up you're coming um he said that he hoped that i would consider going there Mm -hmm. and i thought it was really exciting to see him actually for the first time ever start his own company and see yeah. what he was gonna what he was gonna do. So he immediately yeah, he, he there were a couple people, not three people from RDF who eventually went over with him. But then he started hiring producers um and had like, you know, a whole a whole group of producers who specialized in different types of shows. Um and what was was there like a mandate from the beginning with Kinetic, like with this company, I want it to be this kind of company or or is it just like we're just going to be a production company? He said that he wanted to just bring on the best producers in their fields, in their genres. And he wanted to um, really be able to sell any different type of show. But the big thing was at RDF, you know, a lot of shows um, that were sold were then kind of we, we partnered with other production companies who right. can make that type of show. And you guys wanted to make it. And we wanted to make it. Yeah. So that was like his 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 big thing. Okay, so I want to talk about your two two you have many shows, but two of your big hits that I know the audience will be most interested in. And one is Married at First Sight and the other yes. is Little Women. Yes. And then that whole franchise. Yes. Okay, so let's start with Married at First Sight. So obviously, right. you know, from my perspective in the industry, it was I, I mean, I remember when FYI was nothing and it was going to launch. bio. Exactly. It was bio. Um, and, you know, when it launched and Married at First Sight hit, I remember it, maybe I'm wrong, but I remember it being a huge hit right out of the gate. And Literally like, right everyone was talking about it. Everybody. Everyone saw it and everyone was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So back up, tell us how, who came up with it, when, what, how, like, I would love to hear the whole story of how it came to be. So... Married at First Sight was a Danish format that had aired in the summer of, I want to say like 2013, and it was produced by our sister production company, Snowman Productions in Denmark. They were airing it in Denmark, and 
you know, we knew about it. So we started watching it. And I remember watching it on my phone in bed while my husband was sleeping, like (laughs) episode after episode after episode. It was so good. It was so good. It was so authentic and real. Right. And I was like, this is, this is a great show. Right. So Chris watches it. Katie Griffin watches it. You know, the other head of development here. And we're like, this is a show. This is loud. It's provocative. But it never been pitched here before and no one had, had looked never at been it. Pitched it's here. Crazy. Never been pitched here. So it was brand new and we had the rights to it automatically. Mm-hmm. So we I think we took the sizzle reel and we zhuzhed it a little <laughs> bit for the states. And, you know, we started pitching it. And a lot of outlets were interested there was one broadcast network i was just gonna say the broadcast interested, but like they wanted to they wanted to pilot it right and with that show you can't pilot it right how do you do that if you find singles who are willing to get married for a pilot you gotta go right (laughs) there's no like well we're gonna we're gonna film and then we're gonna stop down no you got it it's like a journey you gotta go so we um we got interest from you know Gina McCarthy saw it and and had FYI launched yet? No, hadn't okay. even launched. It was going to launch. Right. And to their credit, they were most aggressive. They, they said they would pick it up to a series. You know, we just needed to see if we could cast it. And, and so, you know, we started the process. We, and we chose FYI because again, they were so aggressive. They didn't want to like, you know, figure out how it could be pilotable and test it out. Yeah, and like, let's it do was it. Like, let's do it. She was very aggressive about it. And we started ca- the casting process, which was so interesting. And it was, did you work with the company on that? We did it internally. Wow. And we, how the hell do you find, how do you do it? How do you oh cast a show like that? Especially for a season. I mean, it hadn't aired. Nobody, yeah, nobody knew what the show was. Right. So originally we, positioned it to singles as a matchmaking show right. which it was <laughs> with a twist with a twist <laughs> no we just talked we just we said it's a matchmaking show wow and we went after people it was really important to find singles who didn't all look like you know they were perfectly polished and they were out of central casting it was like we have to find singles who legitimately believe in getting married they are you know really wanting to find love their true love right like they are all in and that meant i mean you know traveling around the country um and finding singles that way we went to churches we went to i mean gosh it was it was a process and again we would find singles and we didn't want to scare them off. So we would say, we're going to be, you know, f- filming the show in New York. So um, we narrowed it down to people in the tri-state area. Why New York? Why not here? Um, because we don't want actors. Oh, great. We don't want yeah, you're so who want right. To be on TV. Right. So that's why we've never done it in LA. So interesting. So we then had. 50 single men and 50 single women who are open to doing a show about, you know, finding somebody to be with. Again, they didn't know the premise of the show. Wow. So we had them 
we had the 50 guys and we had the 50 girls show up one weekend for a hotel at a hotel in New York. And we grouped them off. I think we had like, gosh, I think we had something like 15 or 20 or 25 single guys. And then we did another session with them. Then we did the girls. And I just remember this. We were all like in a banquet room. The singles are all there. Our then executive producer, Sam Dean, is 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 there and she's like in front of the the singles and the experts are there and because we'd already cast the experts yeah so just if you've been hiding under a rock just so people know the experts were the it was basically all based on scientific formula of like trying to find the perfect match for you sight unseen so that's pretty much the conceit of the show exactly okay so we had experts from from different worlds like we had at the time a woman who's a sexologist right. and we had a guy who was a minister and we had, you know, an anthropologist. So we. So everyone was there. Everybody was there. The EP, she, she's, she starts talking and I'm sitting on the side of the room watching them and their reactions. And she's talking about, you know, how they've been brought here because they all share, you know, um, the common trait of of just really being hopeful and really feeling like nothing else has worked, right? Online dating, not working for them. Um, they have tried everything and they want the opportunity to be given uh, the person, to be shown a person who is perfect for them and has been deemed their perfect, um, their perfect partner by these experts who have, worked really hard to find them. They're, they're perfect. They're the one for them. One thing she said (laughs) that you don't know is this show is going to find you, uh, the partner you're going to spend the rest of your life with and you're going to get married to them. So you're looking at all of these contestants and there's silence. Oh, I was going to say, I must, there must've been like buzz, but there's silence and then there's, but there's (laughs) silence and then there's little buzz laughter nervous laughter and I actually remember looking at Jamie Otis who was on season one and watching her reaction and she didn't react at all you know people are starting to buzz it's it's like what what like people are starting to talk to each other and she's just sitting there like unruffled and I'm like I feel like that girl is going to keep going through. But we were worried that nobody, nobody they all want drop to do out. It. Wait, oh, is yeah. Jamie the one who ends up in the first up or the with first the guy with the with bad Doug. skin? With Doug. Oh my God, that was so torturous. And they're pregnant with their second child. It's so insane, right? It's insane. It's, but I was watching her. And then when, when it was revealed wow. to the men, right. Doug, I remember having to leave early and bringing his application to us and saying, I'm in. Wow. And he walked out. And I I remember thinking, well, we have one man. Right. One. I was like, we got one. So how many did drop out and how many stayed? Gosh. Back then, um, you know, quite a few Mm -hmm. went on to the next stage where they then met with the psychologist and met with the sexologist and had Dr. Pepper go to their apartment. I remember, do you remember season one, Monet? No, but I have no okay. memory. Monet and Vaughn um, were a couple from season one who ended up actually 
eventually they divorced, but wow. they were a really cute couple. She was, she was so cute. And, and I remember her coming up to me afterwards saying, okay, so I know tomorrow I'm supposed to be interviewed. Um, but I am going out tonight with my girls and I don't know. I feel like you want to be hungover. And I was like, listen, <laughs> we really, really want you to come back tomorrow. Why don't you just like take some Advil? <laughs> just, you know, cause like her interview is going to be at eight 30 the next morning. Right. Right. Um, but she made it and then she eventually was on season one and it was really good. So was the money good? It wasn't no, even good enough to no. keep. Like it that was, wasn't going to be the reason. Legitimately. They really wanted to find really love. Really wanted to find love. Wow. And that's the, those are the kind of people who you have to find. So it's a crazy trip. Okay. So in the end, did you, a few questions. So once you started an hour of the field, you started to see how the first season was going to shake out. Did you have a moment where you thought that we can't pull this off? This is, or did you know because well, it had already been done mm, in Denmark that it was doable? Because it does seem like a really hard show to pull off. We were absolutely scared that <laughs> we weren't going to be able to pull it off before yeah. before we we got to the weddings. Right. Even when you're at the weddings, right? You right. wonder, are they going to right? Are their nerves going to get the best of them? Are they going to? Well, has that happened? So there? I haven't stayed well, listen, with the show. I mean, has that happened over season time? Season one. Jamie, and she's talked about it a lot. Yeah. Jamie was walking down the aisle crying. Yeah, I remember that. Because her husband physically, and she'll talk about it, was not what she what she had thought she would end up with in yeah. her mind. Yeah. You know, she had said, I want somebody with a great family. I want somebody with a sense of humor. And the expert said, we've got the guy. He's got an amazing family. He's got a really funny personality. He's always cracking jokes. He's warm, really like a loving person. And they felt strongly that he's the kind of person she she should be with. And he was deserving of her and vice versa. But when she was walking down the aisle, she was so upset. You know, she could barely look at him when she was up there yep, with them. Yep. Right. You remember that? I like, do. It was it was, was I was like, I'm saying I was, was it's so, like you're hiding under the covers while you're right. watching it kind of thing. But again, you also have to give these people credit. They're walking down to somebody who they're <laughs> legally getting married it's to. insane it's insane so i mean it's obviously what we call a social experiment and what's so interesting is you know the the popular opinion i guess i don't know if it's scientific or if it's just anecdotal is that for men it's really based on physicality and for women it's really based on other stuff that women can fall in love like jamie did even getting beyond maybe the physical attraction whereas for men if they don't feel the physical attraction it's gonna be really hard for them even if the woman's amazing yeah, Is that I mean, borne out over the course of the show in terms of how the couples have been put together? Well, first of all, it was the show was created because if you look at what's happening online, right, people are swiping left, like just without giving yeah, the person. Because it's just based on this picture. And it's and girls are just as guilty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Guys. Absolutely. I mean, when we interview the single women for the show. There's a huge percentage of them who want a guy who's six feet wow. or taller. <laughs> huge percentage. Yeah. But then when you look at the population of men, it's actually... <laughs> right, good luck. It's like really small percentage of the population so who are six feet or it's taller. So, um, so women are just as guilty. Yeah. And, but what we find is, you know, o over the years... It stayed the same in that 
you see that person, you know, who you're about to, to, to wed and sure you notice the physicalities, but the most beautiful thing is when you see them start to actually put their walls down and, you know, stay open and, and allow themselves to really, um, take part in this process and, and fall for, for fall for the person. Yeah. So once the season premiere happened and it did really great out of the gate, you obviously thought, okay, this is going to work. Did you see all of the spinoffs and all? I mean, it just, it blew up. It blew up. Quickly. It it blew up right away. I mean, from, I mean, you know, FYI didn't exist. Right. It was bio channel. Yeah. And they, I remember when it was, when it premiered the first episode, I mean, it literally launched the network. FYI. It trended on Twitter. It, uh, yeah, increased the, the, the average by like 226%. It was a hit from the first episode. People were talking about it. People were really upset about it. People were, you know, interviewing us for, you know, different, you know, news programs. Everybody (laughs) was so, you know, for, for good or bad, they were uh, shocked by the premise of, of strangers getting married. It was the end of, you know, the civilization of marriage. Yeah. As some people were saying. So how many couples have actually stayed together from the, uh, how many seasons now? So we've had, we're in our 10th season. Oh my God. Airing, just started airing. So the nine seasons uh, before this current season, there have been, there's still eight married couples and five babies. Wow. I know. Do you put them in your office, like the gynecologist's office? Pretty much, <laughs> <Yeah>. basically. <laughs> Up on your bulletin board. They send you Christmas cards. Isn't that cool? They do. Though? It's amazing. Aww. It's so, like, I remember after season one, emailing with the creator in Denmark about hmm. the success. Uh, the Was it the same the show, over there, also, too? Uh, no. They, <laughs> I mean, they've had some success, but... You know, I think two of the couples from season one who stayed together, who I loved, ended up divorcing. Mm. So, but I remember emailing with him and telling him about the success of the marriages and of the show. We were just talking about it. And, and I remember him emailing back, like, who, who says we can't, you know, affect others' lives for the better? Yeah. I know. And that's kind of the burn on like all the critics and stuff for like, oh, stupid social experiments. Like, no, actually, we change people's lives. No, we change people's lives. So cool. And a lot of thought goes into finding like the the matches. You know, it's not just, well, that person looks good. And that's, that person looks great for this. It's, there's a lot. Right. I mean, it's literally scientific, you know, data. Okay. So, um, it bounced around like it went to A&E and then it went to um, Lifetime, Lifetime now and now Lifetime. it lives on Lifetime. Yes. Um, and is that where it's going to stay? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we can watch it on Lifetime. So speaking of Lifetime and you guys, yes. Little Women LA and then Little Women Atlanta. Yes. Is that, are those the only two? We've or the... had Little Women Dallas and Little Talent. Women New York too. Right. Okay. But with LA the first one? Yes. So how did that, I mean, that's the kind of pitch that you know, could go a few different ways. Let's be honest. <laughs> Whose idea was it? So Little Women was my colleague Katie Griffin's idea. She, so we were just working on coming up with new ideas one day and 
We came across the classic book title, Little Women. <laughs> I just saw the movie yesterday. Oh, it's good. So good. It's really Loved good. it. Yeah. Definitely not this show, though. <laughs> no, not at all. Pretty sure Louisa May Alcott is <laughs> rolling in her, definitely rolling in her grave. So but did you we say, were, what's our Little Women? Oh, yeah. Katie Griffin <laughs> said, Little Women. What about a show called Little Women? About Little Women. And it was like, yes genius but it was all about finding that group of 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 little people and from the beginning you know the idea was let's not do a show about little people where you see them climbing up <laughs> to their cupboard and trying to get a glass out and talking about how hard it is to be little right. they're just going to be like, like the housewives we want it to be it yeah. to be like the housewives but miniaturized so we found uh heather downey who was our our head of casting at the time found Tara Jolet, who is um, kind of like the star of Little Women LA. Um, and Tara, who had actually been thinking of her own idea like this, um, you know, we pitched as kind of like a sex in the city type yep. show. Yep. She said, Oh, yeah, I have a ton of friends who are little and we're all crazy. All oh of us. God. We are balls to the wall you know we're all going through different things in our <laughs> lives and we're all just crazy and she had heather come to like a birthday party with all of them uh which heather taped and it was like you know they're like f waving around a dildo and they're drunk and they're just going crazy and we see that and we're like gold yes gold Okay, so you have gold, basically. So we have gold. What we call reality gold. You we, pitch it around town. So we shoot a, a sizzle reel yep. with all the women, six women at the time, and we pitch it around town, and we bring the women to a lot of the pitches. Really? And I remember, um, yeah, at the Oxygen pitch, uh, they were pitching, we were pitching Corey and David Gross, and uh, Katie and I actually got stuck in such terrible traffic we miss, missed the pitch which has never happened like it was there was like a horrible wreck on the 405 and we were just sitting there so anyway, the women made it and you guys didn't so the women all made it and they're all sitting there in the conference room stop it and they all get into a huge fight oh a real fight in the pitch oh with you each can't other. pay for this and Corey and david are just watching it um the subject was like using the m word and if they should be able to use that or not, right? Wow. And some of them thought it was okay to use, some of them didn't. Got into a fight. So anyway. You just said the M word, right? The M. Okay. M. I know. I figured it out. Right. <laughs> so, so they don't even know. They're not, are they doing it? Do they know what they're doing or they're legitimately having this argument? They were legitimately having the okay. argument. <laughs> and that's why they're gold because right, they, just, they had long histories <laughs> with one another. They, wow. you know, were very opinionated. Yep. They were really, really fun. Needless to say, Every buyer we pitched them to made an offer. Wow. We ended up going with uh, Eli Lair at Lifetime. He said, listen, I, you know, some, some of the channels wanted to just, you know, have a show about one of the women or, you know, a couple of the women. But Eli said, no, I get it. I get it. You want to do Sex in the City yeah. with them. He as came an from Bravo. Cast. He, knows he came from up. Bravo. Yep. He got it yep. right away. Yep. And he said, I want to do a rolling pilot. I want to act fast. And so we shot something with them all together. You know, chaos ensued. <laughs> right. It was hilarious. <laughs> Edited it. And he's like, yep, we're going to series. It happened super fast. I mean, wow. we were on air, gosh, within a few months from the time we 
like on air from the time we pitched it. So, so that's lightning in a bottle, right? Yes. Because you had your main person, then she had the totally. organic group of friends. So how was it in terms of the other cities? Was it, it must not have been as easy, right? Well, it's, it's hard because you want to find women who know each other or right. who, you know, they, they know the same people. It's, it's interesting because actually a lot of little people have met one another or, you know, a lot, uh, a lot of them have known each other from like the LPA convention, which mm-hmm. is, which is really big happens every year. And so when we were casting for little women, in New York, Tara knew a lot of people in New York. New York was great because the, there's a population who live there because they're, a lot of them are performers and they, you know, there, there's a concentrated population of little people there. And so Tara introduced us to, to a few. And um, she's an executive executive producer on the show. So she really wow. stepped in and helped with that. Amazing. So you guys have some a couple great announcements, things that are have just taken off. So you have the show Love is Blind for Netflix with yes. um, Nick and... And Vanessa. Yes. Um, so that made sense, obviously, for yes. your brand. Yes. And that was Brandon Reed calling back yes. to our earlier totally. um, yep. assistance together at UTA. And now he runs Unscripted at Netflix. So what, has that already started filming? It's Yeah, it's in the can. Oh, it, it is. It premieres Ooh. February 13th. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, they always make announcements like right before. For yeah. some reason, I thought Netflix it was coming up. Oh, I'm excited for that. Yeah. And so just quickly, what's the premise so people know of that show? How is it different from Married at First Sight? Well, so in Love is Blind, we we bring together singles and they... Are blind. No. They're actually blind. No. Um, that would fit in your brand too, though, That's show we've talked about too, No, you bring together singles who, you know, want to find love and they actually get to know one another without seeing the other. And I won't say how I know that was the part I wasn't getting yeah Yeah. you have to watch it it's really cool okay and they spend uh, a good amount of time with with each other with 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 somebody and um, they then decide whether they want to get engaged or not yeah and And propose without having actually seen this person and are engaged and don't meet the person until after they're engaged to them so, and then they, and then they really spend time and get to know one another. Now, is it docu? Like, it is, is it? Docu. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's docu. It's, I mean, the circle's doing so well for them. I so know. it's perfect timing. Like yeah. this will be, if you want the circle. Yeah. This is their first arced relationship series. Yeah. I like the one that they did the dating around one. The dating around. That, it was kinda, cool. And it was so, it wasn't a groundbreaking. It was well, but it, it wasn't groundbreaking. But visually, it looked really nice. Yeah, it was very, it was felt you like know, Sex in the City, kind of. It was relatable. Yeah. It was Especially authentic. if you've been single in New York, like exactly. I was <laughs> for many years. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, cool. So you have that. And then you have the highest rated crime show on Reels, <laughs> right? We do. We have a show called The Friend Speak. Um, we did Casey Anthony, her friends speak last year. It was the highest rated show on reels. So it's the friends so it's the of friends the... all come together. Some who've never spoken about their experiences, um, with Casey and it what was are the like future really, seasons? It was really cool. So we just had Jody Arias. Um, we have Chris Watts premiering. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with that month. case. Um, What's the, actually this week. What and is then, the story there? You just have to give me in like two, like it's dark. It's real dark. But, 
do we like it's just so weird it's, it's really weird I tune in yeah i will tune in natalie holloway is wow. going to be in may wow was it hard to get people to talk no interesting no, no but we but we produced with uh we actually have a, a, a production partner on this in canada um buddy day pyramid productions and he's amazing and he had he he actually produced um out of pyramid in canada and he has he's done a lot of crime shows he he really led it and and you know connected with some amazing people yeah i'm definitely gonna tune in this is that's right up my alley so you guys are popping and the future is bright um, anything you want to add in conclusion? Just that you have a great podcast and <laughs> let's make it about me now. Everybody should listen because you're great at what you do. <laughs> no, I think that, you know, it's definitely difficult out there. Everybody's talking about how difficult it is. And at the same time to sell and get your shows on the air, but at the same time, it's super exciting because there are new outlets because, you know, People like Netflix are doing amazing things and, and, you know, you've got all these different streamers and just different outlets who are still very hungry and always will be and will have a need for these, you know, fun, crazy, non-scripted shows. So it's true. And look, you guys have such a well-established brand, not to say that obviously you have different kinds of shows under your banner, but you know, when you have something that you do so well, it usually bodes well, even in tre- even when trends change, they also come back and they also, like you said, I mean, who knew Netflix was going to get yeah. into this whole dating game? Right. It's crazy. Totally. Um. So you've got kind of, you can diversify your portfolio with all these other outlets. It's cool. Yeah. Well, Carrie, pleasure is mine. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you for doing this. Thanks. We'll talk soon. Totally. 